What's it like being the fly on a wall in so many different people's houses, seeing so much different types of parenting? That's what this episode is going to be answering. We have the great pleasure of having Dove Cats Digital Dove on for this episode, who is in so many different roles and which we'll hear about. And is in so many different homes and uh, we'll hear about that too and has witnessed so many different types of parenting so, so many different stories. Enjoy the episode. Raising children in general is not easy. Throw in the desire to have passion and committed juice. Now that's next level hard. With weekly episodes on our parenting hierarchy, you will find the answers to your biggest parenting questions and gain the best practices you need to raise the children the way you want to raise the Jews next door. So thank you. Thank you, Dove. Thank you, Digital Dove, for taking the time to, uh, to sit with us. Well, thank you for having me. This is uh, the first time I'm being interviewed on a podcast. I actually hosted a podcast a long time ago. Really? What really a podcast? long time ago, back in the early days of internet radio. Oh, wow. I hosted a podcast. Um, with, I'm going to take a guess that it was on music. It was, it was actually on music, correct. Okay. <laughs> it, it had a couple of iterations, but uh, it was on music back in the day. Nice, nice, nice. So uh, thank you for having me. Sure. So, I mean, you are doing so many different things. Tell us a little Just, bit about what you're, what you're involved in. So I, I really consider myself blessed. I have a lot of different things that I do. All of them involve around making people happy and teaching. Um, ready? Here we go. Here's the list. Okay. So been in the music and entertainment business for about 30 years now. That started um, with Nishama Orchestra? Started with Nishama Orchestra, now with my band uh, uh, Chroma and Encore. Um, I've probably participated in, I don't know, 6,000 plus weddings where provided the music, helped Hassan get married. I'm, I'm on to the second generation already where I'm doing <laughs> nice. like bar mitzvahs or, or, or weddings for people who I did their first wedding. Um, that's, that's just a whole crazy thing. And we could talk about some of the parenting that goes on at weddings, <laughs> you know, sure. talk, talk about seeing people in their most, you know, stressful moment of their life and happiest moment of their life sure. at the same time. Yeah. Um, I teach a class at Torah Academy, Bergen County called uh, video and media broadcasting, mm. um, started as a music class. Now it's in, in onto video music, video broadcasting. Um, over the summers, I go up to Camp Morasha where I do their special events. I'm up and back. We and first met. We first Camp met Misora. in Camp Misora. Yeah. I was originally Camp Misora. Now I'm in Camp Marasha. Um, I do their special events. And then over the three weeks when the Simchas season slows down, I go up and uh, I do a lot of game shows for them. And um, I am swim period in the nine days, basically, <laughs> where kids normally would have gone swimming. Right. They come hang out with Digital Dove and do some fun. Um, I do something right here in this building, which has become one of the highlights of my life. There's now a new music program at Yachad in this wow, building. That's so cool. It is the- Was that that music video? I saw like a music video with Zusha. Was that- so that was part of it. Oh, so Khani um, Herman and uh, Rocky Sullivan developed this music program here. It's called the George Weinberger Music Program at Yachad. It is, we have a real full recording music studio here, as well as each week I come and I do a music session with uh, 20 to 30 Yachad participants. And wow. if you ask me, what we do at our music session, I say, I don't know, because it just goes where we go. So cool. And it has become, and I, I'm doing music for years, you know, there's all, Yachad loved music, Yachad loved music, but being here in the room with these Yachad participants and, and the people who work with the Yachad participants, I have such a new appreciation for that. And that's actually something parenting wise, we're going to come back to that. Um, then on top of that, 
Wait, where do I get up to? Okay, so we did Yahad, we did Marsha, we did the band business, we did TABC. We haven't actually um, spoken about digital dough. We haven't spoken about digital dough. <laughs> so by accident, over the coronavirus, and I'll, I'll tell a very brief story, um, the first event get canceled because of the coronavirus. Does anyone know what that is? Do you know what it is? The first it's event. Purim, I mean. Purim, but where specifically? I think Purim? you were in a show. You told right, me so the young <laughs> Israel of New Rochelle was yeah. literally ground zero. Yes. I was scheduled to DJ at the Israel of New Rochelle on Purim night. They called me on Thursday to uh, cancel. Pre-Purim, again, this is before anyone knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think that it was like March 6th or something at the time. And I was like, okay, sorry. And then I called them back. I was like, I heard about this Zoom thing. I don't know, maybe we could do something. So I have a very creative daughter. And we came up with all this stuff to do. We did a virtual costume contest and this. Now, these people in New Rochelle had been locked in their houses for a week already. Right. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Nobody knew. They they literally had the National Guard there. This was pre-anything. No one knew what was going on. So I go, I log on after Megillah thinking it's going to be just a couple of people. They're like over 500 people on this zoom because they had literally been locked in their houses. We do this game show and it was great. It was fun. And I was like, I felt good. Okay, great. Brought some, brought some, some of people are stuck in their houses. Next day I get a phone call from Yavna and Paramus. They're like, uh, we heard you did for New Rochelle. Our sixth grade is on lockdown. Could you do something? Okay. The next day I get a phone call from SAR. Our entire early childhood is on lockdown. Could you just, the next day I get a call from someone in Memphis we heard what you did. There's a boy who's supposed to have a bar mitzvah. I ended up doing 600 game shows from my basement. No way. Over the two years of, I didn't sleep wow. at all. It was just constantly show and creating content and everything was custom to, I did corporate shows and birthday parties and Bubby's birthday and family get together. Again, we forget what it was like over yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people were like, hey, could you come do what you did in Zoom in person? And now I became Digital Dove game show host, which wow. is really, really Good crazy. Wow. Now, the, the reason I'm here is uh, I have kind of a unique perspective on parenting because in addition to all those other things that I do, I give music lessons. I teach guitar and drums um, to about 30 to 40 students a week. Um, a I week. teach a week. Wow. I teach in Teaneck and Passaic. If kids are not in school and I don't have a simcha, I'm teaching somebody music. Um, also happened by accident that I just, somebody asked me and this and that and slowly but surely over the years it has um, grown and grown and grown and grown. Wow. And it actually, it puts me in people's houses at that critical time of the evening. Yeah, like bedtime. Bedtime. <laughs> I know, because we're doing, you know, but, we're doing lessons right now, me, uh, you, and my that's son. Right. And it's, it's, that, that's like the critical time. It's the it's, crunch time it's of the a, night. It's a crunch time. And to see the different things that happen in people's houses over that time and the way people parent. And, and the first thing I got to say, I say this to everybody, it is really hard to be a from parent in today's day and age. There's so much that goes into it between the, the needs of the kids and raising the kids and teaching the kids, running a house. Uh, Tati's going off to shul. Tati's going off to mincha. Tati's going to learn a shir. Tati's coming to learn with his son who's going to have a bar mitzvah. I don't know why I'm saying Tati, but Abba, Daddy, whatever. <laughs> I always ask that question. It's like Tata, Abba, Daddy, which, which one are you? <laughs> Um, it's the, the pressures and the, the strains and the pulls on the, on the from parent are incredible. And, and I gotta give you, give yourselves a great big round of applause. What people do, and, and I see it now is, is really unbelievable. And I teach in different communities. I teach in communities where there's, you know, kids have iPads at the age of six months, almost mm-hmm. literally. Um, and I teach in communities where there's zero technology, right? So it's, it's a very interesting thing to see what goes on in different houses and the way 
um, people parent. And the people, so there are some people who parent literally by giving their kid their phone. Here, take my phone. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this statement. I need my phone. Give me where a mother was saying to the nine month, not nine month, or whatever. So what are you, like, phone. what are you seeing is the, let, let's, let's start with that with like the iPad and mm-hmm. phones. What are you seeing are the effects of like when parents are, you know, the types of kids that I guess, let's say you're teaching or the types of, you know, parents that you're, that you're witnessing when they're just willing to just give off that phone or. Like what? Do, what are you? What are you seeing? It's 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 a very interesting question. The question is: Are they giving the kid the technology so the kid can go do something and leave them alone? Okay. Whereas the parent in the house where doesn't have technology, the kid's going and reading a book or drawing or playing. So are with you play. seeing a difference between that? Yeah, I definitely see a difference in what kids are doing with their free time. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. There's certainly a in the houses without technology. There's a creative aspect to what kids do on their free time, which I do not see in the houses where the kid has an iPad. I don't see it. I don't see the the art projects or the or the kid who um, you know likes coloring or the kid who learns how to cricket. You know what a cricket is? <laughs> I never heard of a cricket either before. Well, I go to a house in Passaic and they got a cricket and actually someone made me an incredible digital dough sticker for my guitar. What is this thing? That was from a cricket. Was from someone awesome. a cricket. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't even know what this thing is. And it's, it's, it's a crafting thing. There's a lot of crafting. Um, there's a lot of music. Okay. Which is, which is, I, I, one of the reasons that I very much enjoy teaching in um, the communities without technology is I feel that these poor kids don't have an outlet. If you're not, the kid who wants to read. And if you're not the kid who wants to play baseball 24 hours a day, well, put yourself, for the kid. even if you are the kid who wants to play baseball, what are you doing in the winter? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I have a, a family that I go to where kids literally plays hockey in the dining room because there's no place to go. Like, what, what are you going to do? Um, but the music is a great outlet. So, so I really enjoy bringing something extra for these kids. Um, and you, you know, even the, in the families where there is the technology. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the technology sometimes is incredible. I was, I was in a house last night and this kid starts telling me there are houses where the technology is used in a tremendously positive way. There, this, I was in a house last night and the kid was telling me about some website I'd never heard of. And he goes to me, Oh no, no adults know about this. It's like, what, what is that even? He goes, oh, I, wa- I go on this website, I learn about chesed projects and Israel. And mm-hmm. I'm it's like, so there are, you know, they're not just playing Fortnite or whatever sure. the, the, the latest game craze is. Um, so technology can be in a certain way, a good thing. But the question is, are parents just using the technology as a crutch where it's like, I got, I want to go on my Instagram right now, or mm-hmm. I'm, I need to run to 37 carpools. Mm-hmm. That, that's something that always is amazing. Managing kids' schedules in today's day and age when, you know, there are some families where there's a lot of extracurricular activities. And even if it's not extracurricular activities, there are some families where it's just getting the boy back and forth to Night Seder. When you have six kids, ages and raging from 17 to, you know, Or even just getting homework done. Even just getting homework done. (laughs) And, oh, homework. Let me tell you, (laughs) teachers, I I don't know what you're doing. I mean, I am a teacher, but some of the homework that I hear and and the arguments that... Most of the arguing that I hear in families' houses is over homework. Really? The times that I will hear kids yelling at their parents generally, frankly, is about math homework that the parent doesn't know how to do. They're doing it wrong because how we learn to do math and how they currently learn to do math are two very Very, different things. Math is very different. Math is, which is astounding to me because the answers are the same, but the (laughs) the process that they do. 
uh, most of the problems that I see in houses are from homework, which like as educators, what are we doing here? Right. Why do we need to create extra stress in a situation where mom is trying to feed everyone? Dad is just getting home from the office and, and he's walking in. And, and why are we creating this? Ex- do we really need the homework? Or I'm, I, you know, you're more of an educator than I am in terms of, you know, the global understanding of work. Yeah. Do, does homework actually help? I don't like I always think I mean, personally, as a you know, in my own personal classes, I don't give homework. I don't believe in it. I don't believe that it's it's necessary. There are some times that homework can be helpful just to have a little bit of review. But other than that, homework max should be 10 minutes a night in right. each subject. Or, there, you know, there, there are, should, you know, Judaic studies, 10 minutes, um, uh, general studies, 10 minutes. That's it. Is that but what like, studies that's say? Not, but that, yeah. And, but that's not what's happening. Correct. Like I know, like with my son, Correct. we're spending, let's say 40 minutes. Correct. Last night, last night we set a timer for 30 minutes. And at 45 minutes, we were just about wrapping up. And, and I, that's, that's a lot of time. I often say to kids, why don't you practice guitar this way? Right. And he says, I don't have time. What do you mean you don't have time? Tell me your night. Okay. I get home at five o'clock. All right. I take five minutes. I get a drink, whatever. I eat supper. Then I sit down and do my homework. I go in the shower and I go to sleep. It's literally, literally and I'm like that's the night. Cause if a kid, you know, you're talking about a kid going to sleep, you know, eight o'clock, whatever, eight 30. And you know, then there are the kids who either don't do the homework or just fighting with a parent with homework or more often than not, the parent is doing the homework, mm-hmm. which is like, what are we doing? What's the point? Right? What's the point? What's the point of like the- when you see projects come into school that Correct. clearly the parents did like what 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 did this accomplish? What educational goal? You know, Correct. Like, Why is your parent writing a book report on a book for a third grader because it has to get submitted? It's what is the point? Yeah. So it, the the you know globally taking a step back, I'm amazed at what parents actually do. Even the parents who are you know watching the Instagram when the kids on the iPad or whatever it is that they're doing. Just the whole juggling of being a parent in today's day and age is, is really complicated. Yeah. Um, especially with the parents with the, you know, who have the expectations of their kid, which is something, something I see a lot of where there are different kinds of parents. There's the parents who are very chill and relaxed in how they do things. And there might be, you know, five, six kids screaming and this one's rollerblading around and, and the nine-year-old decides she's going to cook herself an omelet now with frying onions. And, and the other kid won't have an omelet. He has to have chicken nuggets. And this one needs their special dinner. They're making seven dinners at a, and they're completely calm and everything's fine. And then there's also the houses where there are only two kids and mom is super stressed and, and or dad is super stressed and, 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 you know, helicopter parenting to the, to the, to next, the level. next level. <laughs> where they're literally sitting in on everything that the kid does. You know who that affects, by the way, the kid. 100%. The kid develops this. I had one student who, I mean, this kid was in sixth grade and she was clearly very tired. I was like, why are you tired? She was like, well, I'm, I have a project due. I'm like, when's your project due? Three months from now. It was like one of these, like, you know, one of those, what do what they call those, pro, those like big projects? Project it was like one of those where they, where they had to write a long paper and research, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she, this kid, a kid, a sixth grade kid is freaking out about a project doing, and she's not sleeping over it. That has to come from somewhere. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't, you, everybody's got to relax a little bit. Let the kids be kids. We always forget, you know, Moshe Weinberger had the greatest line, which is 
Remember what you were like when you were 17? Like, you remember? Forget 17. Remember what you were like when you were six, seven, eight, nine? These kids need to be kids. Yeah. It's, it's a real, it's a problem that unfortunately for in some, and it, I see it definitely as a passing down of traits from parent to kid. Meaning you're saying when you're, you're the difference you're seeing between the parents who are like super in versus like the more chill is like you, you're seeing children who are more uptight. Correct. As well. It makes, I mean, uptight would be a good way to do it, to, 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 to phrase it. Um, but at the same time, there's also the other end of it where there's the parents who are super chill and there's complete Hefka world going on. And, you know, and, and nobody's in charge. No one's driving the bus. Right. You know, there are some houses that I go to where it's like it's one of the teenage kids is in charge right. because either the parents are too busy, um, which is, is just, I, again, I, I don't know how people do it. Um, or the parents are checked out where they're, you know, they're off doing their own thing. And what the but look, this do? is, this is, there's different types of parenting styles, right? So there's a parenting style, which is meant to just be everything just flies. And then there's a parenting style, which is everything's very intense. And then that, what they say, the most recommended parenting style is to be a little bit in the middle between the two, where it's like having firm boundaries and, and being able to, to, you know, go with certain things. So the interesting thing is the houses where it's complete Hefkefeld, one thing that I do see in those houses is that some of the kids, not all of them, but some of the kids really develop this ability to just do things. And it's, I want to have, you know, uh, this for supper. I'm going to go make it. I want to do this kind of project. I'm going to call up Mrs. Da, 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 and ask her to like, I see that is a skill set which gets developed in the houses where the parent isn't, um, you know, it's 602. You have three more minutes till you have to finish reading or where, which sometimes you have, um, you know, I've had students where kid likes reading um, and he has a very structured life. So he was getting up at 6 a.m. to read, to read. No way. No oh joke. There's more than one student that I've had like this. Where he was, re he likes reading and um, he was reading for two, three hours a day or whatever it was. And he was getting up super early just so he could have the time to read, which is amazing. But at the same time, it's like, why doesn't he have any other free time? Is he overprescribed with other stuff that he's doing in his, his painting class or whatever it is? You know, there's, it's, it's, it's really just amazing to see. Wow. Really. Wow. Re really astounding to see is more than anything. And I give every, when I start with a new student, I always give them the same speech. Everyone's house is the same. You think your house is, so there are all these different kinds of parenting. I mean, there's like the house that you go to where I'm not kidding. Literally there's like ethereal spa music playing. There are, there's a fruit platter laid out on the table with like individual pieces of cantaloupe with a toothpick in it for the kids to snack on when they come home. <laughs> there's a single play setting for daddy for when he gets home, he comes in sits down to dinner and mommy doesn't eat with him, but sits and talks to him during dinner and tells him about the day. There's that kind of house. Yeah. You know, which I've seen a bunch of them over my years of teaching with literally that exact model and it's complete serenity. Um, and that's the way they parent complete. They don't raise their voice to their kids. They talk like this and they're very chill. And then there's the, you know, super uptight uh, type of parent with every single section, every single second of the kid's day scheduled and their own day. And everybody's all tense all the time. Um, and, and there's the, the middle ground. I do see a lot, which is, which is really nice. Uh, from your perspective, based on you've seen all these different types, what do you think is meaning in terms of the kids that you're seeing, like you're, you're seeing, you're, you're having such one-on-one -on -one time with these kids. What do you. So I, I find that kids are, 
almost, you can, I, I've been doing this a long time. So I can sit with a kid for about 10 minutes and I figure them out. There are different buckets you can put the kids into in terms of their personalities and in terms of their, their learning abilities. You know, I, if I was a kid today, I would be on every ADHD, LMNOP drug, whatever, because <laughs> that's how my brain works. That's why I do what I do. Cause I'm all over the place in school. The minute I hit the desk, I was completely gone. When the rabbi says good Shabbos, I'm done. I don't know what he says after that. My brain is completely all over the place. So you have those kids who simply cannot focus. One of the very interesting things that I see both in my TABC class and with my students, the amount of children on attention, whatever you call them, uh, medications. Sure. And the time that those medications wear off, like there's the one o'clock mm. shift and then there's the evening shift like after. And if you get the kid either when they're medicated versus they're not medicated. It is literally Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, two different kids in yeah. terms of their learning Night abilities. Night and day. Night and day. I'm sure yeah. you see this as, as a school, school principal. all the time, yeah. It's unbelievable. And when they can focus, you know, very often it has nothing to do with how smart they are. It's just, it doesn't have to do with how smart they are or anything else other than their ability to focus. I have this line, look at my nose, because I know when I'm talking to the kid and he's doing that and he's, and I, I, I often say, what, what's going on in there? What are you thinking about right now? And they're never thinking about what we're talking about. It's interesting to say that. I have a parent who once told me, who has like older kids, where they said that when they're, when they're, when they're raising their children and their children were younger, they refused to do any medication. They were like so against it. And then as their child got older, their child found out about medication that could help them with, you know, with ADHD and with, with focusing. And when they did it, they said they, they got so angry at their parent. They said, why'd you hold back on me? I could have been so much more successful in school and with different things. And, and now like in work, I'm so much more successful because of that. And this parent told me that they changed their whole perspective on medication for that reason, because like maybe, maybe, maybe that's really, if that's what this child needs, then maybe Maybe I should give it to them and maybe that's going to make them more successful. And, and why, who am I to hold them back? The jury's out on that. We all know that some of the most successful people in our, in our age yeah. are people who have these learning disabilities totally. and, and are successful because they have the learning disabilities. You know, then I have the kid who is the B minus student, but he's a great kid and he doesn't really understand what he's being taught, but he's such a great kid that no one no one realizes that he doesn't understand because he behaves in class and he's quiet or he's a really nice guy, but he doesn't actually process what's going on. There's processing issues going on, but no one really catches it. That to me is, is like, it's such a nebuch that that happens because mm -hmm. those kids just coast through life. They're going to be a B and, and, you know, I don't know where they'll actually end up in their, you know, careers or successes, et cetera. But the reason that nobody really notices they're a good kid, you know, yeah. then you have the kid who's, terrible and doesn't behave and is always in trouble. And you know why? Because he's so smart. He's bored. And that's something that those kids are very often misunderstood. And I pride myself. Are those the types of students that do better with you? I thrive on that kid because yeah. I get that kid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know that that kid, the reason he's in trouble in school or is always arguing with his mother is because he thinks he's smarter than her eh? and he's bored. That's why. The minute the teacher talks, he, he knows exactly what's going on. So he's going to act out in class. And those kids, it's the opposite. It's not that they, you know, that they coast and no one realizes there's a problem. They are always in trouble because the problem, no one realizes what the problem is. It's not that he's misbehaving. He's misbehaving because he's bored. And no one identifies that very often in those kids because no one takes the time to say, why is he misbehaving? Right. So that, those are. Also, you're, you're, you're giving children who maybe sometimes school is just not their thing and giving them an ability to have a creative outlet that 
Correct. Sometimes it's just Correct. so school, huge for them. School is not for everyone. It was definitely not for me. Let me be very clear. I did okay, but I, I had such attention issues that it was a real struggle for me to do it. And I learned differently. I, I, I couldn't learn by reading. I learned by saying, I like. So how did you become like who you are? I mean, like you, you were involved in so many things. You're, you're teaching so many others and, and you're saying like school, like how did you then get there? How did I get there? So I'll tell you a story about a kid. So there was this kid who was incredibly shy, shy to the point that he used to go play across the street at his friend's house. But if his mother would say, could you go across the street to Mitch's house and ask him for an egg? And he had just been there a half hour ago playing. He was embarrassed to go. He was painfully shy, painfully shy. Um, so this kid ended up going to a camp and he became uh, the head waiter of the camp. He was a nice kid, became the head waiter of a camp. The cook in the camp is a Holocaust survivor. Her name was Mrs. Sussman. The camp is Camp Monk. Mrs. Sussman. And this lady had been through the Holocaust and she, she ruled her kitchen with an iron fist because she was like, like a fire. This was, this was her personality. And one day she tells the head waiter, um, can you go call the bakery and order some rolls for camp? Now, this kid who wouldn't go across the street certainly didn't make phone calls. He was painfully shy, painfully shy. His, his, his mind would always say, what are they going to say to me? What, what are they going to say? Mrs. Sussman tells him, you call the bakery, you order the rolls. Boy goes, um, I, I don't make phone calls. Mrs. Sussman says, you pick up the phone, you call the bakery, and you order the rolls. Boy goes, I don't make phone calls, thinking in his mind, Mrs. Sussman's about to, you know, get really angry at him and start screaming at him. And Mrs. Sussman looks at the boy and says, it's going to be okay. Boy goes, picks up the phone. Calls the bakery. I'm calling from Camp Monk. I'd like to order 400 rolls. Okay, great. No problem. We'll see you tomorrow. Hangs up the phone. That moment changed my life. That boy was me. No way. Literally. No way. Yeah. I was, you were a shy I boy who would make phone calls. I was the most shy kid. I literally would not. I would go across the street to play with my friend. I wouldn't go back to his house a half hour later because in my head, they were going to say, you, what are you doing here? Wow. Literally, that's how my head worked. How did that, how did that start? <laughs> that phone call, when Mrs. Sussman said to me, she didn't yell at me, you pick up the phone and you call them. She said, it's going to be okay. And there was something about that moment. And now to this day as a teacher, that moment where I know that instead of yelling at a kid, why don't you do this? Well, you could say it another way. It's going to be okay. Or, you know, you know what? I understand that you're upset. Let's see why you don't understand how to play this chord or understand this pasa. Slow down. Don't yell at the kid. Maybe there's a reason they're not getting it. Maybe you're teaching it wrong. Maybe you're explaining it. I actually recently had an experience with one of my smarter students. The kid's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Top of his class. Never studies for a test because he just listens in class and gets everything. Hundreds. He wasn't understanding guitar. Wasn't getting it. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And finally, one day, he, he asked me a question about something we had just done where it was rapidly clear to me. He did not understand a thing I had taught him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, at first, I was like, how does this kid not understand it? Like, he's brilliant. Why is he not? And I was like, wait a minute. Maybe it's me as the teacher. Maybe I'm not teaching it, not 
for the other kid down, you know, that I'm going to teach in an hour or the way I've taught it 30 years. Maybe for this kid who's super brilliant, just his, his brain works differently. You know, people, not everybody's brain works the same. It really doesn't. And I, we went over, he explained why he was asking this question and we went over it and all of a sudden he got it. And within seconds, what had been impossible for him to, we were, we were trying to read notes and he just wasn't getting it. I didn't understand. Within seconds of explaining it the way he needed it explained, he was able to do it perfectly. Wow. So as a teacher, you know what? Or as a parent even, the way you say things to kids and instead of the pick up the phone and call it, it's going to be okay. That can change somebody's life. And the way you teach a kid, sometimes it is you and it's not the kid or the student. Sometimes the way that you need to teach somebody something or help them do something is different than you've done for 30 years. I know you've been teaching for 30 years, but guess what? This kid needs to learn differently. And as, as a teacher, as an educator, and as a parent, you need to know that. Hmm. Really, really amazing. Would you say that there's something that, let's say the way that you were raised, like looking back, is there something that would have helped you get out of that besides for, you know, the Mrs. Sussman, let's say? Is there something that for, as a parent that a parent could have done for you? Not saying that your parents didn't do enough for you, but I'm saying like something that. All right. So here we're going deep now. Okay. Ready? Okay. My father died when I was three years old. Oh, wow. Okay. So I spent my life being embarrassed about the fact that my father died, which is like crazy to think about. And yes, there's lots of, lots of, lots of psychology sessions that need to need to go there. But that was where, you know, at the, it's funny. My father's name was Simcha and I spend my life bringing Simcha to mm. people now. Yeah. But, and in a deep psychological level, that's where my, my absolute um, fear of being embarrassed came from. There's no question about that, that it came from that. Right. So my mother was, is the most incredible person and, you know, basically single-handedly raised a family by herself. Um, she actually got remarried after I got married, which uh -huh. is, which is amazing, but she did it herself. And, and there was, was a group of, of friends and people who helped us grow as a family throughout. But my need for, um, you know, my, my worry about being embarrassed definitely stems from that point. There's no question that, that, that it stems from that. But this woman, this Mrs. Sussman, literally by just the way she did it, it That'd literally okay. I regularly get up in front of 10,000 people. No problem now, which is wow. the craziest thing to think a kid who wouldn't go borrow an egg or wouldn't go, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, make a phone call. Think about it now, you know, in today's day and age, who makes a phone call? Everyone just texts her this <laughs> or that and the other. Right. But back then that's how you talk to people. You picked up the phone and you called them. So it really is an astounding kind of turn of events for me. You know, my, my family always laughs at like the kid who was so shy, um, you know, now gets up and performs and whatever. And it, it, it's, it, it's such a, a, for me, it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. I always say I have the greatest job. I get to basically act silly or act like an idiot, however you want to call it, and get paid for it and, and bring joy to people. Like who could ask for a better job? Really, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, I consider, I consider my, I work really hard um, and I'm always tired You're around, the clock. Around, the clock, you around the clock, but I love what I do. It's, yeah. like, it's like, you know, and then you, you get to see people at, at their best and at their worst. You really do both in the, you know, when, when their kid's about to walk down the aisle or at, at bedtime, which yeah. uh, those two times of life can be very, very, very complicated for totally. people.
So I'm curious, you know, as we, to, to wrap up any, any like advice you'd have for Absolutely. parents from your, from your perspective of being in so many homes or seeing them, like you said, in those crunch time moments, whether it's at a wedding, whether it's at uh, the bedtime moments, what, what would you say? What would I say? Um, first of all, um, relax, relax, chill. I know there's a lot of stress in life, but kids pick up on how you deal with different situations and they end up dealing with those situations because of the way you deal with situations as a parent, as a teacher, if you're going to do something, your kid's going to pick up on that. If you're going to act a certain way, your kid's going to act that way. That's number one. Number two, let kids be kids. Like, you know what? Some people have such high expectations for their kids and put so much pressure on their kids or have kids who put pressure on themselves and don't stop it. You know, let them be kids. They're kids. They need to play. They need to be creative. They should not be worrying in sixth grade about a project. They just shouldn't. It's, it's not, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, the other thing is, again, I, I continue to be amazed by, by how parents in today's day and age, uh, I wouldn't want to be a kid now. The pressures that these kids have, okay, you know, talk about in our, our technology community, the, the pressures of the, the social media and all that stuff that goes on that I would not want to be that kid right now. You know, I remember being, you know, before technology, when I was in high school, I remember if somebody said something about me or whatever, how that affected me. What if they're posting it or sending it out to, uh, yeah, you know, a thousand friends? It's, yeah. it's a lot of pressure. It's all, it's, I would not want to be a kid right now with, with the, the, certainly the social media aspect of it. Um, and even in the non-social media aspect of it, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff. There's, um, you know, the, the, the pull of kids to be in 20 different places at once and do be successful and do this and learn. And it's a lot. It is a lot. So like you said, for if the children are already feeling that way as parents, we can relax a little and let them, let that, let their home be their exactly their safe place, their let place them, where they can relax. Let them be kids. And, and another thing also is not every kid is the same. And sometimes it's not the kid, it's you. And you need to take a step back, slow down there, cowboy, take a step back. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're teaching it wrong. Maybe you're asking the kid to do something wrong. Maybe the kid is, thinks he's smarter than you. And, you know, until you realize that, that's why he's misbehaving. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the kid just doesn't understand what you're saying. And that's why he's not doing it or he's doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, both as a teacher and as a parent, maybe it's you. Yeah. No, there's, there's a hundred percent, you know, in all my interactions with, with children, both in school and, and different things, there's no child who wants to be bad. There's no such thing. A child doesn't want to be bad. If they're acting out, it's because they're trying to communicate something and maybe they just don't have the right way to communicate. Bingo. And, and parents and teachers don't always get that. And I understand that they don't get that. You just want the kid to go to sleep. Why, do, why does he need five more minutes? You know, uh, the, the longest period of time is between when a parent asks a kid to do something and the kid says, you know, I'll be there in a minute. That's the <laughs> longest period of time because that just goes on and on and on and on. Right. Um, but absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question. There's no question that the kids do not want to act out, but they're acting out because either they don't understand or they're being taught wrong or all those factors. So 100%. maybe it is us and not them. Yeah. Wow. Digital Dove, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You have Thank you so, for such having insight me. really into, into homes in, in, what, such a, in such what, a strong way. That's what I say. I, like, I say to everybody, everyone's house is the same. 
you think your house is the only dirty house, the only house where the parents are fighting with each other or yelling at the kids or, or getting stressed. Everyone's house is the same. So we didn't even talk about parents fighting. <laughs> oh, so and one great story. So I, I give this little speech when I come into a house for the first time. They're like, everyone's house is the same. Don't worry. And I've had literally houses where I'm sitting on the couch where there's a six foot high pile of dirty laundry. And I've had houses where there's not a, like if, if there's like a, a corner of a potato chip gets on the floor, the mom gets the dust buster out and is sweeping and I'm so sorry it's dirty. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> are you kidding? But there, there was one house that I went to and it seemed like the perfect house. The parents called each other honey and sweetie and they never fought and everything was like idyllic. And one time I was going to go into the house and I'm about to ring the bell and I started hearing yelling and screaming from the house. Like, oh, see, uh, they're just like everybody else. And then they opened the door. Hi, how are you? So I was like, oh, see? That, like you were just saying, that's the, the social media, you know, era that we're in is like everyone feels like the second that someone else is coming in, someone else, second someone else is seeing it, I got to be perfect, but it's so, it's so unhealthy. Nobody's that's perfect. So, that's so unhealthy. Nobody's perfect. You know, trust me, I've been in hundreds of houses. Everybody's the same. Every, again, in different levels and different ways of dealing with things. Everybody's the same. Yeah. That's not. Thank you so much. Thank it's, you for having uh, me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Really. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Jews Next Door. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Reach out to us. Reach out to me at yair at jenoff.org. Hi at jenoff.org. Check us out on the website. You could leave a question there. We'd love to be in touch. Please be in touch. Check us out on Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door. Hit me up on Twitter at Yair Manchel. And we got, we're on TikTok now too. We have some great content, a lot of really great insights into parenting, tips, parenting pointers, reaction videos, and quotes. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of articles. You want to check it out. Check it out at jenoff.org. You won't be sorry you did. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share with your family and friends. Looking forward to another great episode next week.